Hello and welcome to Jump Cuts, a podcast about movies. My name is Charlie. I'm joined by my co-host Will. Hello. And Park. This is the first time we're recording this, I promise. Mm-hmm. This uh this week we <laughs> what watched do I love starting a podcast for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> the first time. We watched uh Big Trouble in Little China, yet another John Carpenter movie, and this is where we're gonna organically do that whole bit again about how many John Carpenter movies. There have been, there's been five of them. Paul Thomas oh. Anderson, we've only had him on twice. We love John Carpenter, don't we, folks? Park. <laughs> yes, we now? absolutely do. <laughs> always remember to check to make sure you hit the record button yes very important thing just just a nice tip for other podcasters out there it's definitely something i didn't just do like five minutes into us recording at least it wasn't an hour into us recording (laughs) hey that's why we have the backup um it's true are you recording the backup (laughs) yeah i always record the backup although i don't think we've only had to use it like maybe one time so yeah look at this responsible guy only one who's never forgotten to hit record (laughs) (laughs) anyways i the one or two times we've done an episode without you we definitely did not record back uh anyways okay so like we said we watched big trouble little china this park's pick park is gonna recap it for the first time uh and then we're gonna start talking about it park so, Big Trouble in Little China is a John Carpenter film about a rough-and-tumble trucker who helps rescue his friend's fiance from an ancient sorcerer in a supernatural battle beneath Chinatown. Which sums up the movie pretty well. About as well as you could. Unless you had an hour-long podcast to summarize it, in which case you could probably do a little bit better. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> which is why you're here. Yep. As per the usual, we have Kurt Russell back as the John Carpenter frontrunner, who I believe, as Charlie described, is irresponsibly hot. He's ridiculously hot in the movie, dude. (laughs) Charlie's into the the himbos, because boy is he at his... (laughs) Boy is Kurt Russell at his stupidest in this Very different character than uh, The Thing and Escape from New York, for sure. True. Yeah. Although he's he's almost like a parody of Snake Plissken in this movie, mm-hmm. which is funny because Snake Plissken almost feels like a parody of like in and of himself. So, but we have Kurt Russell, who is a trucker, a rough and tumble trucker, as IMDb describes him, bringing a load into San Francisco, where he meets up with his old friend Wang Chi to, I guess, play cards and do some random gambling, like, can I cut a bottle in half with this knife? Um, Because, you know, that's something everybody can do. He couldn't. He couldn't do it. (laughs) No, he couldn't do it. I was waiting for it. I really expected him to to do that in this movie, and it didn't. (laughs) I don't think it happened. It's true. It just never came back up. Yeah. (laughs) But he goes with his friend to help pick up his, like, fiancé and bride-to-be from the airport. Where the, like, death, what, what are they called? The death something gang? They're the... Lords of death or something Lords like that. Lords of death. It's insanely edgy. <laughs> I don't know the yeah, name for a gang. I don't know. Lords of death, like, Neo-Tokyo style Asian street gang. Like, the weird cyberpunk-like glasses and leather jackets and everything. Kidnap his fiance because of her green eyes and take off into Chinatown where Kurt Russell and 
Dennis Dunn or Wang Chi find themselves in the middle of a gang war. Uh, yeah. Which these gang wars escalate quickly. They sure do. They, you know, you don't see many gang wars that involve magic, but this yeah. one does. He, and uh, you know, it, we have three Rydens that just suddenly appear out of nowhere. <laughs> they sure do. But and I saw the first. I was I wasn't expecting there there to be three of them. I kind of thought they'd be limited to one, but mm -hmm. it was only really one of special. them shooting lightning out of his hands, though. Sick. So, like, this is the first time that all three of us have seen this film. I've seen clips of it. I know Will has, like, at least heard of it, heard some about it. But I did not realize, like, how quickly this film escalates. I was like, okay, gang wars in Chinatown. Cool. There's, like, a creepy guy on the cover. He must be one of the bosses. No, we go, like, full-on ancient mythology, like walking through the bowels of the universe at some point just insanity <laughs> yeah they're fighting like spy kids monsters and shit <laughs> 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 they really do look like spy kids <laughs> it's really something I, it's um this is another movie where park's trying to get us in trouble <laughs> for talking about <laughs> <laughs> all of these cuz it's like it's all at least in the universe of the movie, it's like Chinese mythology based, right? Mm. But I don't think that it really is in real no. life. Or like, I we're maybe the perfect audience for this because we're like right there in the same shoes as Kurt Russell. We're like, I don't know how <laughs> much of this is like an any sort of homage to like Chinese like myths or legends or anything or how much of it is just completely made up because they thought it would look cool or funny in the movie uh, <laughs> it's it's very interesting I've never, never seen anything quite like it that yeah I definitely many times during the movie I was like did he did John Carpenter pull all of this out of his ass is it a respectful depiction of aspects of chinese mythology is it an offensive depiction of aspects of chinese mythology i don't know because i don't know anything about chinese <laughs> mythology uh, yeah. i i have no idea i mean no, i i really don't yeah. i i don't think it's a discussion that any of us are equipped to have so we're probably not going to have much of it beyond this yeah is all that i can really say about yeah, the movie I'll all we can really read from our perspectives is sort of like the tone of the movie mm -hmm. and like sort of because this movie is making fun of someone but at least in my view from what i saw it uh <laughs> it wasn't any of the chinese characters it was uh no they're making fun of kurt russell like the whole movie mm -hmm. the whole movie is just uh making fun of kurt russell which is really uh it was kind of unexpected for like I feel like in uh, having seen so many other John Carpenter, Kurt Russell combos uh, previously, like I wasn't expecting him to play this funny and like oafish of a character. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, yeah. But at least the American get the, the American white guy is the the butt of the joke for this movie for sure. <laughs> yeah, he's the. He's just like the American meathead trucker 
who finds himself in like a very complex, like centuries old war in Chinatown. Mm-hmm. And the only thing he cares about is the like lawyer he wants to sleep with. Mm-hmm. Gracie Law. <laughs> oh the God. lawyer whose last <laughs> name is Law. I she didn't even bursts click with onto me. the scene. Her introduction is just when she like opens up the door, it's like, don't worry, it's just me. And she like looks off into the distance. Gracie Law. <laughs> like, <laughs> so fun. That character is incredible, dude. That okay, the entire she's, a, she's into sex in the city. She's uh yeah, I did not know that. She's like that I've, actress. I've never seen Sex one in the of the city. four. I don't know. <laughs> well, good for her. Um, I the entire like romance air quotes in this movie is so funny to me, and it like it it it's so perfect because usually those things are just like annoying right in in these kinds of action movies it's just like it's a thing that they throw in there because they have to because it's 1980 whatever um but this movie it's just they meet in the airport and there is immediate sexual tension and that's it nothing it never develops beyond that at all they have no actual rapport or attempt at a relationship. And at the end of the movie, he, Kurt Russell just leaves. <laughs> He's like, goodbye. He's just like, I am leaving. Goodbye. <laughs> and that's it. They're like, aren't you going to kiss her goodbye? No. <laughs> it's so Dibs. funny. He's on it his re- fucking <laughs> Sigma grind set, Kurt Russell. <laughs> oh, like, He's got to get back on the CB radio to tell everybody what happened. So he can babble about nothing. <laughs> <laughs> just like stream of consciousness like he was the first podcaster <laughs> Russell. he really was truckers really are the original podcasters on their yeah, cb radios aren't exactly. they uh, but it really from like not the cb radio thing necessarily but kind of but like that and the romance and even some of the action scenes that we'll talk about later because a couple of them are really funny so much of the movie is like, look at this dumb white idiot who's just way out of his depth. He just has no yeah. idea. All he does in the film is ask what is happening, and then get it like ha- gets it half explained to him, and then he tries to formulate a plan, and then he fucks it up instantly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that is kind of the like rhythm of the film, and it's oh, yeah. really beautiful to watch. The scene of him just like shooting the gun through this like this I is was... one of the films where Kurt Russell has <laughs> never handled a gun before. His character is like Oh, the, the character no action beyond like a knife. Yeah. And he shoots his gun into the ceiling, knocking a rock loose and knocking himself out. That is how the fight starts. I was howling. <laughs> the, it's like the big fight scene at the end of the movie. That's how it starts. And then like <laughs> Uh, Gracie Law is just like, are you serious? <laughs> She's like, <laughs> and then it works because the you know the rest of the characters get to have cool sword fights and the like, the crazy like magic beam duel where they like shoot their Dragon Ball Z beams at each other, but then there's just and more then... dudes sword fighting in the beams. <laughs> One dude playing video games with holograms. <laughs> Man. But we we are getting ahead of ourselves uh, <laughs> here, like to the point that we're just we're just talking about the end of the movie the now. The movie. But, um, but the end of the movie is amazing. Dude. That's where we yeah, that's where we escalate to. They, they draw it out a little more than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I guess as we were saying, we have Kurt Russell now getting tangled up in like a weird magical gang war. 
And who does he meet? None other than our lovely general storekeeper from Trimmers, um, Victor Wong, Wait, who really? in this movie is known as Egg Shin. Yeah, it's the same guy from Trimmers. I did not realize that. Probably because Egg he Shin wasn't is in the... Trimmers for very long. <laughs> he no. died very early. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where we have Egg Shin, who is like a tour bus driver, but is also some like centuries old wizard who's been hunting David Lopan. Yeah, our wait, I'm just now realizing something. Our our main villain, our like ancient Chinese evils first name is David. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of assumed that was just like the made up American name that like <laughs> they took on when he, he took on. Yeah, and... I don't know. Also there's like there's a lot of jokes like that where like partway through the movie kurt russell is uh being his uh, annoying american self like they're 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 gathering the the good gang (laughs) together to go fight the evil gang uh and he's like oh do any of these guys speak good english and the guy like one of the one of them just responds in like an american accent (laughs) it's like (laughs) but yeah like half of them were born in america (laughs) we're in chinatown san francisco yeah like it's not (laughs) It's not that well. It, it it ends up being pretty crazy, but in a different way. <laughs> Do people take tours of Chinatown, San Francisco? Oh, I can't I imagine. Like probably. What's there? It's just like a bunch of shops, like not English like lettering on them. I don't understand why you tour that. Uh, I mean, I think it's like it is a somewhat historic district. Gotcha. Right, like a lot of that's been there for a really long time. Um. I don't know. Maybe you're a white person and you don't know that there's Asian food everywhere now. Maybe there are absolutely China Chinatown walking tours with lunch options. Chinatown food tour. Okay, I could go for the food tour. I guess I don't don't know if like the bus option. I don't know. (laughs) I guess let's get into the like the actual plot here for a minute because park touched on this earlier but uh lopan who's the ancient sorcerer is he he like might be a demon it's a little unclear um but he is trying to become human so that he can then become a god immediately at the end of the film (laughs) yes also die at the end of the movie because he's the bad guy but he turned he turned they had to like wait for him to turn human so they could kill him yeah they're like waiting so they can shoot him and then they they just miss uh not a great plan they 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 get him in another comical way that we'll talk about but he um he has to fulfill a prophecy to become human and the prophecy is that he has to marry a girl with green eyes and somehow it. it has taken him hundreds of years to find a woman with green eyes, <laughs> even though he's been in, I mean, I, I don't know how common green eyes are in Asia, but like he's been in San Francisco for fucking yeah, like a couple hundred one. years. And like, yeah. we, we clearly, the film establishes like, like race and country of origin are not an issue for him. He, he was just looking for a green eyed lady, which like... Mm-hmm. San Francisco is pretty populous. He could probably find someone. And he's not terribly worried about them, like, consenting to the marriage either. So he can just grab anyone. It's very strange. Yeah, uh, that is, yeah, I mean, that's what he does is he ends up kidnapping. Well, I, Park, I think, mentioned that he's uh, kidnapping Mai because she's has green eyes. 
I just they somehow knew that a woman with green eyes was gonna get off the plane yep. that day. They but then he also kidnaps that. Gracie because she also has green eyes and he's like, Now there are two of them, so I can become yep. human and then become immortal at the same time. But I have to stab them both with this needle and hopefully not get shot in between. And then well, it's does. like he has to he has to sacrifice he has to marry them and then sacrifice them to become a god. Mm-hmm. But he said, like, now I can sacrifice one of them and then live out my earthly pleasures with the other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't great. like that. <laughs> he uh the whatever they did with the costuming for like so there's two kind of versions of him you see in there's basically like in the sorcerer form where he's got like he looks younger but very like almost ghostly pale and then just like old guy form where he looks like impossibly ancient and both the the costume for like impossibly ancient guy in a wheelchair was very good really a lot of like the costuming and the like few monster costumes we get in this are all really well done okay the monster costumes were hilarious (laughs) i did not expect sudden monsters in this movie (laughs) like i'm like okay like a magical gang war and now we have like ancient chinese gorilla and then ancient chinese worm monster like it's like a cave troll and the like seer thing the the weird fucking floating eyeball mass and they they made the the cave troll like canonically has balls because he gets kicked in the balls part right like at the end of the movie <laughs> they established that <laughs> like uh, it also is just bigfoot dude i guess it looked yeah. a lot like bigfoot and then like the costume i don't know if you guys noticed this but like the costume has huge rubber feet with like long rubber toes that just they weren't touching the ground so like the toes are just kind of like sticking up in the air a little bit in front of the feet while he's like fly it looks like somebody walking in fucking flippers like they're about to go go for a dive or something you know what he reminded me he reminded me of uh labyrinth he was like oh uh ludo he was like a he was like a lesser labyrinth puppet <laughs> Well, the one's I just like a guy in a suit. Um, but yeah, I there there were a lot of effects and visuals and stuff that worked really well in this movie. I thought, but the uh, the Bigfoot guy costume, I just I saw the feet, and then every time I saw it, that was all I could think about for the rest of the movie. <laughs> it's like he just had two hot dogs dangling off the front of his, <laughs> of his flippers. Him, another funny one was like the meat wad guy who's like their lookout. Yeah. Oh, just yeah. like a ball of the eyes fucking... and flesh weird beholder looking thing yeah <laughs> and at some point they just stab it and i'm like why didn't you just do that the first time yeah <laughs> so oh, he shoots it the first time and it just like runs off but i guess stabbing it kills it sure <laughs> i don't know they don't they don't get too worked up in explaining how to kill the 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 funk from that old greg skit i don't <laughs> <laughs> and that's what makes me think that like i don't think there's a lot of like uh, a study of myth going on here because nope. like it does not seem concerned with like consistency or like how these things work and that's all that mythology actually is is explaining shit right i feel like he i feel like john carpenter whoever was doing like a lot of the art for this was just scrolling through maybe some like images of chinese mythology it's like 
that thing weird eyeball floating mass yep let's put it in or some of it might just be entirely made up by the people who made yeah. the film honestly like it mm-hmm. it's hard to know and yeah the, the movie if you're looking for like man i want to really get to know like chinese mythology this is the wrong movie for you. <laughs> yeah. but i do love that they like they just own up to that in this movie like when the giant worm thing eats one of the guys when they're underground and eggshin throws the bomb and he's like it won't come back out and caressa's like what and he's like it won't come back out and just walks <laughs> off and then we never worry about it again yeah <laughs> like they spent nope. all this time and money on this giant worm thing for it to be on screen for Probably two seconds. <laughs> and then not even explain what it is. I feel like a lot of this movie is just John Carpenter watched some early John Woo stuff from the late 70s, early 80s. And he was like, I'm going to do that. And then he <laughs> did. But without like actual Kung Fu stunt coordination, because he's he's not John Woo, he's John Carpenter. So he made I mean, a Bigfoot it- costume instead. <laughs> it feels like he took a lot of like B movie kung like B kung fu movie kind of stuff and was just like I'm gonna put like a weird dumb American to this kung fu backdrop. Yeah. Maybe Kurt Russell is supposed to represent John Carpenter himself. <laughs> Galaxy Brand. I don't know, dude. I'm gonna stop trying to read into this movie now because I'm not gonna get anywhere with it. <laughs> What it, what it does with whatever it's trying to do though is thoroughly fun. Like it's 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 funny and it's got some good action scenes. I I enjoyed I enjoyed it. I t- I found myself I I'm tr- I'm trying so hard to stop talking about this. I can't help myself. I'm sorry. I <laughs> I found myself a few times wondering. I was like, what is he trying to do here? And I just, I don't know. I think it's a fruitless endeavor. Now I'm really going to stop. Okay. You, you, I, yeah, I, again, I picked movie. this movie <laughs> mm-hmm. because we've been having the most fun on this podcast doing movies that just, like, have no deep thought behind them. Are just <laughs> really fun, weird fucking movies. And, like, I do enjoy when we do the deep thought stuff. But I've really enjoyed this lately of... You know, this, Heather's, The Thing, um, fucking House. We're like, on a good run of stupid shit with Dune mixed in the middle. <laughs> exactly. Uh, um, if only yeah, Dune I, had, had the sort of arc that this... Just <laughs> Timothy Chalamet just confused as hell what's going on the whole time. That's kind <laughs> of what Dune be, like, is, the audience dude. surrogate. Like, I guess that's sort of what it is, but they, like, played it up for laughs. Just him, like... <laughs> What if Dune Part 2 was, or the second half of the book was a comedy? But that's just the David Lynch Dune, so we already have that. Yeah, that already exists. (laughs) So, Boom Studios Comics. So this, sorry, this, I'm just kind of reading through some stuff here. This movie is actually still kind of in, like, modern media today. Boom Studios Comics has started a comic book series based around this in 2014 that appears to still be running. And at one point did a crossover comic with Jack and Snake Plissken. So they exist in the same world. (laughs) That's amazing. 
I just think because like Jack is like he aspires to be Snake Plissken, but he is so <laughs> in over his head the whole movie that like he he just can't be it. Like he's he he kills a man for the first time in his life, and he's like someone's like, "Well, is that the first time you've like uh, you, you plugged somebody? You plugged somebody?" And he's just like, uh, "No." <laughs> like, no. <laughs> do that all the time <laughs> i love killing people <laughs> like he's just I, don't know, I think this is honestly an incredible acting job from kurt russell like he, he plays the like mm-hmm. overcompensating like trying to act cooler than he is trucker guy like so perfectly even like yeah. from the very start of the movie when he's doing his totally empty rambling over the radio it's man it, it, it's so perfect he's an incredibly fun character <laughs> yeah i they really he got to have a lot more fun with this than a snake or whatever the hell's character's name is in the thing um yeah. the thing is probably of the movies with him in it that we've seen like the least expressive character i guess and i, I think i still think he did a good job and he did what yeah the movie was called for but this is Feel like he maybe got to let loose a little bit in this movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, all the scenes when he's like fast talking people, like when he walks in and he's like pretending to be like a phone repair guy, and he just like is holding a phone, <laughs> <laughs> and they just... just walks past the front desk holding like a just a standard <laughs> house phone. It's like, yep, just got to find the main box. See you guys later. We know where it is. So good. The whole cast did a good job, honestly. All of the, I mean, stunts is probably stunt doubles, but the stunt stuff is really good. All of the comedy works really well. All the various scenes where they're just like wandering around in the the tunnels, because there's, of course, a complex labyrinth of tunnels under Chinatown. Um, Yes, there has to be. (laughs) Just like there's one part where they like, yeah, okay, they're getting chased by the lightning guy and they like he blows a hole in the ceiling and they like jump up through the ceiling and Egg is just up there and like drops a statue of the lightning guy's head. They're like, How did you get up here? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> that kind of it's just I the movie is It's a good The movie and into... the characters are not concerned with how any of this stuff is happening. It's just happening and you're along for the ride and it's it's great. It ends up being a really good like adventure movie, which was kind of I didn't really expect. Mm -hmm. And you know, we also just we have all the guys who have their like weird superpowers that just never get explained. Yep. Um you have like thunder who can grow his body and explodes at the fucking end. yeah I, they never really covered that they just they never look back after he blows up <laughs> As, is it he like walks in sees a low pan is dead and then just starts expanding just gets pissed expanding we gotta get out of here yeah, I think I know what our thumbnail is going to be for this episode. Yeah, I, I, when uh, I saw that, I thought the same thing. You are <laughs> <laughs> fucking. Which, 
I mean, all of y'all who are listening are going to see it, but I'm going to share it with you all. I've seen this. Chat. I've seen this guy before, <laughs> and like when I saw him appear in the movie, I was I wasn't expecting him to show up in the last like ten minutes of the film. <laughs> but uh, yep, he's 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 beautiful. It is a film that has some like pop culture relevance and staying power for sure. Because I mean, like you mentioned with the comics, but like. I, I hadn't seen it before this, but I was certainly aware of it and had heard it referenced a lot. Yeah. Oh, I definitely um, saw that, like, the muscle tee that Kurt Russell wears in this, like, plenty of times before. Yeah, I recognize that. That's definitely, like, a look. But, like, he looked good in it, you know? It's. <laughs> <laughs> I think he had, like, some absurd workout regimen for this movie. That's strange. I feel like it almost would have been funnier if he, like, wasn't very... <laughs> ripped <laughs> just like he was, he was in it, just but like, like average normal. scrawny guy yeah just a regular guy yet another dune comparison he had just done like timothy chalamet yeah just like <laughs> i'm not working out for this no i'm gonna <laughs> remain a twig <laughs> oh actually so here's something we can talk about so i know we, we we've discussed a lot about like jack burton or uh kurt russell's character kind of being just sort of the guy along for the ride Carpenter actually said he envisioned inversing the scenario of traditional action films where you have a Caucasian protagonist and a minority sidekick like um, Temple of Doom, where you have, you know, you have uh, Short Round as yeah. the sidekick. And so Jack Burton is portrayed as being just like a bumbling idiot because he is supposed to be the sidekick. He's almost worse than a sidekick. <laughs> like, it's amazing <laughs> He's a hindrance that he ends to up the being team. useful at all. Like I guess he kills the guy at the end, but like basically sheer luck at that point. Yeah. So yeah, the like the real hero that has something to actually accomplish here is uh is Wang, right? Because he's yeah. trying to save his fiance. Fiance, his he's the one that actually has a acquired fiance. <laughs> I don't know. The whole situation feels very human trafficking to me, very, but I guess that's it's okay. true. Yeah. Well, but yeah, he says that like he's known her since he was a kid. Yeah, like, yeah they've he known each that. other their entire <laughs> lives. He's like, we met when we were five, and I have been in love with her ever since. And that's even my story. I came and to I'm America right to after. <laughs> it's like, uh, okay. Uh, haven't seen her in 30 years <laughs> anyway so we're getting married um i mean you've all watched 90 day fiance like that's true no, people, I haven't. people do I that haven't. shit all the I've time i've seen an unhealthy amount of 90 day fiance <laughs> <laughs> that show man we need to do an episode on 90 day fiance because you will never find oh a, a reality show where people are like actively ruining their lives more than 90 day fiance <laughs> the stakes are never higher on any reality tv than 90 day <laughs> it's crazy <laughs> the other guys were, one guy was like oh yeah i like blew all of my i like blew my my 401k i cashed it out <laughs> at the age of 45 and like flew out to visit my fiance in like singapore or something just like just to visit her and like get a hotel and shit it's it's something <laughs> that is not a good idea it's a really bad yeah. idea they film it they film his whole bad idea <laughs> no. you also you started that sentence with one guy is like i blew my hole and then i was like oh, uh <laughs> my what 
Um, <laughs> anyways, I haven't seen that show, but you y'all are selling it. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's a mixture of it's funny something. and like incredibly depressing. <laughs> Maybe I don't need that in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, actually, wow, my Indiana Jones uh, little analogy for Kurt Russell makes perfect sense. Because here's Kurt Russell saying that um, at heart, he thinks he's Indiana Jones, but the circumstances are always too much for him. Yeah, he's which he's on the back foot <laughs> yes. the whole movie. Kind of along with he's a good like every time I was wondering something. Kurt Russell was also wondering something. <laughs> he was like, is what, like, what does that mean? What is that worm? And they're like, just move on. Like, I was also wondering what the worm was. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I honestly do love how well Kurt Russell plays, like, even the bumbling idiot in the brothel. Um, like, when they send him in to the brothel to try to, like, find the girl. Oh, I and- about that. <laughs> You know, when he's in the room with the with like the one random girl and she's like, Yeah, like could you take off your tie? And he's like, Yeah, my wife gave it to me. <laughs> Just awkwardly laughing. <laughs> in the most uncomfortable scenario. Yeah, I that it, that scene reminded me so much of uh a actually a worse scene from Blade Runner. When remember when he like pretends to be like a reporter and does that like really weird voice for no reason oh my god like this was like a good version of that scene that's like the worst scene in blade runner (laughs) (laughs) that's a movie we should do it's the original blade runner that's such a good movie it's very good i have not seen it in a very long time i think i watched it with charlie most recently yeah recently it was like Four yeah, years ago, back when we were roommates, yeah. <laughs> one of one of my like collectible item regrets for our listeners behind me is a large shelf full of miscellaneous collectible items. But I went to a flea market in they're, Knoxville. They're all Funko Pops. He has a wall of Funko Pops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're all the same character, but with different hats on. Um. No, I, I do not have a wall of <laughs> NFTs behind me. Um, but it was a like little gray box that had a VHS of Blade Runner in it with like a plastic, like actually really well done model of that gun from Blade Runner. Yeah. And this guy was selling it for like 20 bucks and I passed it up and I should have gotten that. Yeah, it's actually pretty cheap for like collectible stuff. Usually, that stuff <laughs> that shit can get pretty expensive pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. but that is uh, that is off topic from Big Trouble in Little China. It is, like you said, a weirdly difficult movie to like discuss because there's just I, there's not that much to like break down and analyze, that- right? That is the downside to these like wacky action movies is mm-hmm. they're fun. They're fun to laugh about, but there's not much to like sit here and be like, so what do you think the director was trying to do here other than just like be weird? Mm-hmm. Yeah, to be weird and funny. Which, and it's like successful with it, but yeah. And it's, it's hard to even talk about like what they're doing with the action scenes because there's just so much going on. Right. Yeah. 
Like I, the one we were ta- the final fight earlier, we were talking about the like, you know, shooting beams that are also guys sword fighting in the beam. That's like <laughs> one of fifteen different things going on in that scene, and like it's so hard to do yeah. justice. <laughs> it's like I, the only thing I can tell you about that scene is that like you should watch it because it's awesome. Yeah, it all looks like it's happening at like a Six Flags at night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, like a laser light show. Lighting is fascinating. There's like I know a... I didn't expect that at all. They're like doing an ancient ritual to make Lopen become human so he can become a god. And like the altar he's standing behind has like 70s retro style neon lighting outlining the whole thing. Yeah. What's the like dark fantasy cyberpunk tabletop game? Is it Shadowrun? The Shadow Yeah, the Shadowrun is yeah. uh a big I, one. That one's fucking complex as hell. I think there's some video games too, but like that was, that's are. a lot of the vibe in this is like Neo Tokyo kind of shit. Yeah, like it, it's the kind of thing you get out of a lot of like cyberpunk media and, you know, video games or movies or whatever, but it's more a fantasy in terms of like the actual mechanics of the universe. Um, such that they are because <laughs> again like it, it it's not the movie's not that interested in them it's just like these things are happening and us being like out of our depth with it is it's in line with the uh the experience of the kurt russell character and me the white guy who doesn't know what's going on <laughs> uh, you are also the sidekick as the viewer yeah basically i would mm-hmm. anyone anyone who tells you that like they were hundred percent like they knew what was happening in this movie all the way through is probably lying to you. I don't think there's, there's no way to do that. And that's kind of not the point of it. The whole mm-hmm. thing is like, they kind of want to put you on the back foot of watching it, uh, which it, it's weird to like, I, I feel like it works really well in like an adventure sort of context because it's sort of, I feel like it gives the movie a lot of momentum of like, cause it, may, it makes you wonder like, Oh, are we ever going to, find out more about this or uh, have like whatever the hell just happened. Like why are there three mortal combat characters that just uh, beam down into this <laughs> gang fight or whatever? Are they going to cover that? And it's like, well, kind of a little bit <laughs> like later on, like mm-hmm. but they just keep like feeding you new information and it uh, helps the whole movie feel like really like snappy, I guess. Uh, it's cool. Yeah. The street gang fight at the beginning is another very amusing action scene because a it starts with them just literally shooting each other with guns and like multiple people die and, and they like run out of ammo i guess <laughs> yeah <laughs> like switch and like <laughs> jack and wang are just sitting in the truck like freaking out and like jack she's just like holding a knife with both hands in front of his face <laughs> <laughs> not moving and then they start fighting each other with like swords like yeah they do it they have a chinese standoff as i was described as <laughs> the character literally turns to kurt russell like it's a chinese standoff Jack. <laughs> and it, oh, it's no. like one of the first things that happens where he's like he says it like this is something that he should know and then he's like what the fuck does that mean and he's just like Ugh, fucking dumbass it doesn't explain <laughs> it anymore it kind of rules yeah that entire scene is jack being like 
what do I do? And he's just like, just go, just deal with it. Don't look back. Keep moving. Yeah. The when he runs low pan over with the truck too, it looks so funny. <laughs> whatever dummy yeah. they had or whatever that just got like sucked Knocked under the over. truck and then he's just standing behind it. I forgot they're in the truck. What a the way they start that scene off is like the the best little like distillation of Kurt Russell's character in the movie just driving down a narrow alley in Chinatown in the I guess the trailer part of a like <laughs> tractor tra- like 18 wheeler just like <clears throat> enormous about to like scrape the walls just like where do I go next <laughs> <laughs> dumb loud white guy in the wrong place <laughs> Oh, my! Honestly, the part of that scene that made me laugh so hard, and I don't think I don't know if I was supposed to think it's funny or not, but after Lopan blinds Kurt Russell and then uh, <laughs> he gets like run down the alley, and he's like, I can't see, and then his buddy just splashes like a puddle from an alleyway in Chinatown, San Francisco, into his eyes. He's <laughs> like, Is that better? I'm like, <laughs> You're thinking like no. Now he's actually blind. He, yeah, say. San Francisco, like, no, dirtiest puddles now. in the nation, probably. Uh, yeah, that's another one of the funniest parts to me. And weirdly, like the dialogue in it felt like it was out of like a movie that you would see today almost. Um, but when they drink that like potion before they go into the final fight. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And they're all just, like, on the elevator, and Kurt Russell's like, you know what, guys? I'm feeling pretty good about this. I'm <laughs> feeling pretty positive. <laughs> they're all just, like, fucked up on whatever they drank. <laughs> just like, you know, I'm feeling, like, really, really confident. I feel like we can do this. I was so... It felt so out of place for, like, a John Carpenter movie, but it, it made it, like, very funny to me. Mm. Yeah, I guess, like... I mean, John, a lot of John Carpenter movies like are pretty funny. We've watched, we've watched five. The last three we've done before this were pretty serious. Not, I mean, I parts of Escape from New York are like completely ridiculous. And I'm gonna say Escape to from New York was pretty fucking funny. Uh, but like, remember the first one we watched was They Live, and that movie is just, <laughs> it just. Uh, cannot possibly be taken seriously aside from the excellent politics which is very funny sentence but like um yeah i don't know it's it's fitting with like that vein of carpenter movies even if it is a very stark contrast from the thing yeah which is the most recent one that we did yeah he's got a lot of range (laughs) as like a direct you Uh know like his yeah i know he uh, from I haven't seen all of his movies, but I know he he has a few that like I know there's a period in his career that was he was kind of like fed up with making movies a little bit. He's kind of a cynical guy, uh, but a lot of his we've pretty much only watched movies of his that are widely considered to be really good, mm. uh, and they're all they all feel like pretty like different or they're tackling very different stuff, you know? Yeah, uh, like this isn't. Like even this being like a departure from like a lot of the stuff is kind of like horror adjacent, and I wouldn't consider this to be horror at all. It it borderline. Okay, here, here's a question: Do y'all think this would be like a good like kids movie <laughs> to some extent? I think it kind of is, <laughs> if not for like the 
like the human trafficking stuff the, yeah maybe yeah yeah the weird sex stuff like but even then i feel like yeah. those are all scenes where like a kid would just be like i guess they they just imprison people for no reason we don't you know like, that's true probably miss that yeah. you know i would um, not pick up on i wouldn't have picked up on that when i was a kid man yeah, it does. It has a very like children's adventure movie vibe. And now that you say yeah. it, and there's so much like physical comedy with Kurt Russell that I think they'd that that could work, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe like older kids who can handle watching someone get murdered on screen. <laughs> if your kid just make sure your kid is comfortable with murder, it's <laughs> fine. I guess just a little bit. Yeah. Like the only like major John Carpenter we haven't watched yet is Halloween. Yeah. I yeah, felt too on the nose thinking. to do it last month. I thought about doing it, but I was like, well. <laughs> yeah. I've never really, like, watched a slasher movie. I don't know. It just doesn't appeal to me that much. I mean, it's like... The thing that, like, makes Halloween so special, though, is how low budget it was for how much money it made. Mm-hmm. It was it was a $300,000 movie or something like that. Yeah, it, people realize that you can just have a camera and some people in a house and you can direct yeah. a pretty scary movie and make a lot of money. <laughs> you know, it, it's here. Let me click on it. So it's a budget was 300 to 325,000 box office was 60 to 70 million. That is a lot of profit. <laughs> yeah. That's some like a star Wars. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. And like everybody's like, why are they still making Halloween movies? And that's why. Yeah, yeah people, they're probably still making a lot of money. I have a ton of respect for John Carpenter too, because he, uh, people uh, get on him for being like, oh, like, did you sell out? Like, you're letting them like ruin this franchise. And he's like, every time, I think it's some quote from him that I saw that was, every time someone wants to make a new Halloween movie, I extend my hand. And a check lands in it. <laughs> I let them make the movie. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, like I would he has... do the same thing. I would do the exact same shit if I was him. Like Halloween Kills, the one that came out this year that is supposed to just be god awful, was a twenty million dollar budget, but still had an hundred and thirty million dollar box office. That's yeah. still a hundred and ten million. Yeah. Horror movies almost always make money. Uh if you yeah. make a horror movie that loses money, you have done something very stupid (laughs) (laughs) didn't he direct the like a reboot one they did in 2017 or 18 or something he might have which i think was also bad but i don't know i guess yeah he didn't direct halloween kills he just kind of assisted and gave them the rights to it yeah but i mean i i do the same thing if somebody's gonna hand me a check for you know, tens of millions of dollars. Yeah, to... When someone approaches us, they're like, oh, we want to reboot your podcast that you did in your 20s. Can mm-hmm. can we have the rights for it? I'll be like, that'll be $10 billion, please. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> All the money in the world. <laughs> if you look at John Carpenter's IMDb, there are so many Halloween things in here. There's, like, <laughs> shorts and comic books and, like, video games and shit, and it's all just, like, the credit is based on characters created by... <laughs> yeah, There's, like, 50 <laughs> of them. 
Yeah, he doesn't have to do anything he doesn't want to for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Congratulations, John Carpenter. You earned it. <laughs> he did it. Uh, that okay? Yeah, Halloween 2018 is just based on characters created by. So I guess he did not direct that. Yeah, I'm sure they're going to put his name on the box of every everything they Absolutely. can, everything they can get away with, right? Yeah. I mean, it's they're all going to say John Carpenter's Halloween. I mean, it's like Tom Clancy, where, you know, Tom Clancy had nothing to do with all the Tom Clancy video games that came out and everything before his death, but it's still like Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you telling me he's not making video games from beyond the grave? <laughs> <laughs> Michael versus Jason, based on career characters created by. I would have. I been... forgot there was a whole like Michael versus Jason arc. I was like peak really? Alien versus Predator age. Amazing. That was before. Uh, what was it like Jason X or whatever? When it's like Friday the Thirteenth in space. Excuse me. Yes. Yeah, they had. <laughs> they really took. Really, I guess all the slasher franchise or the big slasher franchises all got kind of well because they couldn't lose, you know, like you can make Jason X for a couple thousand. You know, maybe that's the one that like lost money, but you can make a lot of sequels to these and keep making like a, a healthy profit each time, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jason is cryogenically frozen for 445 years and awakens in the year 2455. After being found by a group of students who he subsequently stalks and kills one by one. Fascinating. I think that's the one where he like freezes a girl's head in liquid nitrogen and shatters it. And then Mythbusters tested it and it it doesn't work. Man. Did she live in the Mythbusters episode? (laughs) (laughs) She survived. Wait, why does one of the writer credits on this say adaptation is this adapted from something i don't know i I don't think so okay if you type in is big trouble in little china autofills on netflix streaming problematic (laughs) i was about to say how far down (laughs) do you have to go until it says racist (laughs) (laughs) Problematic counts. It's the same thing. Stories adapt from the classic series of Wuxia novels by Huan Zulu Zhu, written throughout the 1930s and 40s. Huh. What do you know? Well, I wish I knew that 50 minutes earlier into this podcast, but that's okay. Well, there you go. Um, I guess like now we could get, uh, you know, we've kind of gotten off track from the film. We could bring it back and kind of get into the end of the film and the climax and how the big baddie dies. So like we've gone over the big fight at the end. It's fucking ridiculous. People are jumping 20 feet in the air. There's weird holographic video game fighting going on. Like low pants, even like moving his thumbs. (laughs) Like he's playing with a controller. I forgot about that. It's beautiful. Um, but at the very end, well, close to the very end, when they finally catch up with Lopan and he's human now, uh, 
Jack jumps out at him and does he throw the knife at him first or do, he how does, does he get his knife? He, th- he yeah. throws a knife at him first and just whiffs horribly. Yeah. So Lopan picks it up and it's like, ah, oh, what a nice knife. Here, have it back and throws it at him. And then Jack catches it again and throws it back at him perfectly this time. Yeah. And just a- drills him in the head and that's... That's the it for Lopan. It's a very weird sequence. <laughs> it seemed very anticlimactic. I thought it was going to be like, you know, Jack gets stabbed in the arm or something from him throwing it back. And then his buddy comes in to save the day. But no, he just throws it right back perfectly the second time. It's the stupidest boss fight of all time. <laughs> just like them throwing a knife at each other back and forth till one of them dies. <laughs> The real climax is when the guy comes around the corner and explodes. (laughs) There's like a real fight going on in the other room half the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, That that was a really fun shot when they're like looking through the door frame and you see the like actual fight with Wang and then the guy who blows up later just like half on screen, half like going in the room and you see shit flying everywhere. I don't know. It was some Scooby-Doo shit for a second where they'd like sword fight across the screen and then back onto it and like all these different configurations. It's funny. More movies should replicate (laughs) cartoon Mm Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo hallway scenes. We need to do the live action Scooby-Doo. Yes. (laughs) That movie rules. (laughs) Unironic. Like as adaptations go, I don't know if you could do much better adapting Scooby-Doo to live action than that movie. I don't know what else you could have done. It's, it, it's Y'all talking about like the very first one, the one where like they all hate each other at the beginning and then they go to like the weird camp. Yep, and Scrappy-Doo is the villain. Yeah, yeah Scrappy-Doo is his island theme park. He's mad because no one liked him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how credible this is, but apparently that was originally like a almost parody, super R-rated adaptation. I've heard that too. And the, yeah, yeah. And then the studio was like, "You cannot do that." Um, I don't. I don't see Warner Brothers being too happy about that. Yeah. yeah, which like I don't know if it would have been. It's probably better that they kept it a little more. I loved it as a kid. I was such a huge yeah. fan of that movie. I think you and I went and saw it in theaters together probably. as a kid. I had the soundtrack on a CD. My little the soundtrack thing. was sick, as I recall. It was oh, good. I think I had it too. <laughs> I spoiled it for my cousin. <laughs> I because uh, I was like seven and I didn't understand the concept of spoilers, and he was just like my like four or five year old, old or four or five year older cousin asking me how the Scooby Doo movie was, and I was like, it was great. Scrappy Doo is the bad guy, and I, he was like, well, I guess I don't need to see it <laughs> now. Like, why would like, you do that? <laughs> I was like, I feel like I did something wrong. Was I not supposed to say that? And then you grew up to spoil movies once a week, every week, for a year straight. That was the shaping traumatic event of my childhood, was spoiling a movie. It has Man with the Hex in it, doesn't it? It does. Because that's a bomb-ass song. It is. It's so good. Excellent soundtrack. Anyways, well... uh, do we have do we have anything else for Big Trouble in Little China before we wrap it up? I mean, we've kind of like talked about the end, like, but like after okay. Lopan dies and everybody blows up, Kurt Russell just leaves. Like, he's got the girl. Like, they've been you know making out throughout most of the fucking end of the movie, but 
He's just like, all right, see y'all later. Gets in his truck and drives off. And then, lo and behold, there's Chinese Bigfoot again in the back (laughs) of his truck. And then the movie ends. So I guess, and I don't think there's, I don't think there's, I hope there's not any sequels. So we have to just no, assume he, that Kurt Russell dies, right? Because like he, yeah. <laughs> he's not a very capable fighter. <laughs> he doesn't yeah, have his like trusty whole throwing thing, knife anymore. I guess we completely skipped over the prologue of this movie, which is Egg Shin being like interviewed in a police station oh, yeah, as they're they trying don't... to figure out where Kurt Russell is. Yeah, they don't. And go I did back to read. <laughs> No, because like I read, the only reason that scene was in there is that the studio watched the movie and was like, we don't get it. Can you please explain to us why Kurt Russell's character is like so important to this movie? It's like he isn't. And so he That's made that little scene. He's important because he isn't important. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, man. They probably would have done That's fine without him. <laughs> That's yeah. They just the studio probably wouldn't let them make the movie without a hunky white guy to be the lead. Yeah. Well, I mean, and like they, I guess they wanted the movie specifically to have like a Kurt Russell type be the also that be the goofball. So. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Anything else? Else? Nah. No, I think no. that's all. Cool. Uh, well, recommendations, Park. Yes. Go see it. It's it's great. Um, yeah, it's fun. <laughs> well, absolutely. I yet another John Carpenter banger. Ten out of ten. Perfect film. <laughs> Go see him. <laughs> yeah, it was. It's a wild ride. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I was entertained. Watch the movie. Um, yeah. All right. Well, that's our show. Thanks again for listening. We appreciate it as always. New episodes every Thursday. Follow us on all the stuff at Jump Cuts Pod. Uh, follow Park at Summer Hour underscore Brewing on Instagram. Will at Will Post Words on Twitter. Me at Charlie B Posts on Twitter. Be sure to leave a like, rating, review, whatever you do on the podcast app that you use. And we will see you next time with a movie that Will will pick and that. We may have a special surprise that won't mean anything to you, the listener, for. So, uh, yeah, we'll see yeah. you then. Or right. might just be late because it's Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> we'll or that. Thanksgiving. <laughs> also true. <laughs> we may take a week off. We did not plan well <laughs> this year. <laughs> mm-hmm. You'll find out. Okay, <laughs> bye. <laughs>